but yeah, let's do this thing. Hello and welcome to the Else Nerds show, the show where we talk about everything else in the world of nerd culture. I'm Gregor Sprague, and joining me as always is Corey Scott. Corey, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. But yeah, I worked crazy this past week and tried to get caught up on other things. I was at one point caught up on comic books, and then I, I am now a week behind, almost two. Um, I have a race to finish 12 comic books before Wednesday, because then I'd be two weeks behind. I don't so. even know what comics I, I buy anymore. I really... <laughs> I, I, I can't recall the last time I went to the comic store to buy my comics, first of all. And then I don't know what, as the list comes out to you each week, what I'm supposed to actually be having pulled. Yeah. I... I I haven't read a comic in forever. I just got some Kickstarter in the mail. I don't even know when I backed that thing. It must have been years ago, and uh, it just randomly showed up. And I'm like, oh, this looks sort of interesting. Oh, you mean I will like? Never read you it. mean like? Like? No, that that I understand. That is someone who not only I felt great about backing, um, and didn't cost a fortune doing it, but got the shit out really quick. You know, yeah. and I feel like that's a quality thing. It is funny that I had gone from my three books down to one by giving a couple strategically away, and then all of a sudden three more showed up. <laughs> but no, because like, I, I am still in the old squeaky chair of hate right now, the black leather Serta chair, and hopefully tomorrow, maybe Wednesday, hope I'll get an email from the people. Um, I should be getting the parts that I need to get the new chair all up and going. Otherwise, I'm going to be upset and be like, hey, yo, where's my stuff? And I'm going to leave you bad reviews. <laughs> because people care about what pe other people say on Amazon. Um, but no, so that's it. Um, the other one I will say in the world of comics that um, I actually ha had the comic book shop experience working in a Dollar General. Um, because one of the ladies came in Who's she's a fairly regular customer, and I think it was with her son. And she goes, you guys don't have comics, do you? And I'm like, no, but you're going to want to go to... And I told her where to go, where essentially the comic book shop, whenever I go to get comics, it, it's that it's that place. Um, and then I'm like... And I started talking, I'm like, hey, okay, what comp, what, what character are you into? And all this stuff, I'm like, okay, well, here's, here's what you're going to want to read. They got this that just came out, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just spewing out all this information. I don't think he was paying attention at all. I, don't think, I think she was trying to keep up, but she was like, oh my gosh, this is the right person to ask, but I'm not going to remember any of this. And I told her, hey, you just go in there, you you ask for you ask for the owner, Tim, he'll hook you up, he'll tell you, he'll pull out the comics and show you what, what all he's into and all this stuff, and there you go. And it was it was awesome. I, th I think this happened like last week, but still, it was so cool. Because like those those experiences don't happen enough in my work. Typically, it's like friendly little banter and stuff, and then you get the occasional, "Bro, I'm mad. I'm gonna be angry at you for no reason because I work in retail." That's usually how it goes. Yep. Uh, hey, so update. Uh, the the book that I received is a comic called The End. It's from the Hiveworks comic site, and the backing of it was in July July 31st of 2013. Wow. So, almost three years, which is not the oldest Kickstarter that I'm still uh, waiting on payout. My oldest Kickstarter is uh, 
Oh, wait. Oh, that's also 2013. That can't be right. That must be when the last message came out, because that is not how long it's been. It's been longer than that, I think. Um, but it, it doesn't matter, because I know those guys, and, and I know that they'll make good on it. Yeah. But it's it's funny, because that's something that I run into all the time, is like, okay, somehow or another, I backed something, and one day or another, it might make it to me. In most Maybe cases, it has. Big. Yeah. Um. But so we got a little bit of news that I want to talk about. That hey, we don't. We're not going to cover like the latest news and stuff. Um, we're going to cover stuff that we have opinions about. And this is the news that AMC has ordered a new late night talk show, not hosted by Chris Hardwick. Holy cow! Didn't know such a thing happened. Thought, thought if it was going to be a talk show on AMC, you'd have to have Chris Hardwick. No, it's going to be hosted by Kevin Smith and Greg Grunberg. The working title is called Geeking Out. And it'll be a 30-minute show that will feature talk, clips, celebrity interviews, and out-of-the-studio stu- out segments. Um, and it's expected to premiere with a special episode covering uh, the San Diego Comic-Con um, in late July with eight more episodes to run, be- in the, run beginning late summer. So I'm excited for this. I don't know if you're excited about this or not, but part of me is feeling like I've been burned too many times with these late night talk shows on other on cable networks sort of deals and not and them not delivering anything. Like we had the um especially on sci-fi, which I think is more where all my examples are going to come from. Like we had the Will Wheaton project, which was like a 10:30, 11 o'clock clip show, but still it was it was like a lot like a late night talk show in, in that way. It was like he, the soup. Yeah, yeah. If, he if was, you go backwards in time, uh, from the soup, we spun out into. Uh, there was a couple other ones. There was a one that was hosted by Topanga. It was about soap opera stuff. Mm-hmm. There was one that was hosted by Chris Hardwick. That yep, was on, web soup. Yeah, web soup. And there was even a sports one, I believe, hosted yep. by the guy who hosts uh, American Ninja Warrior. Which that was basically. Um, like any of these other clip shows that are out there now, like uh, like Ridiculousness, or it was I mean, more in that vein. But but they were all the same kind of production. They all were the person sitting in front of the green screen with the same kind of background to them, essentially. The same canned laughter audience of maybe 10 people sitting in the room. Like, oh, that was with like always, chuckles. Yeah, with always the one person... And I noticed this at like one whole season of Web Soup when it was a, when it aired that you had the one I'm gonna say lady who laughed louder than everyone else. Yeah, she was valuable to the yeah the, the group. Like it's, uh, I'm sitting there going, ah, like it took me out of it. Like hearing that one person's laugh because it was just like. Like everyone's like, oh, ah, ha, 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 ha. And then you go, ah, ha, 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 ha. Like, wait a like, where is this person at? And how are they, why are they finding it so funny? Yeah. Like, and, and so these things, we kind of got over them really fast. Mm-hmm. You know, the soup started out, at, or chat soup or whatever it was originally, started talk out soup. with talk soup. It started out with, you know, it was a low budget thing, but it was. It was a new thing at that point in time. It became the soup later on. 
Uh, it went through a couple of different hosts, but it was at least in and of itself, it was original on its own. Having every other thing come out and try to be the same thing, just different spins on it, I think kind of showed that it, it didn't have a lot to it. It, it. it took what little bit of meat and gristle that was there and it just took it down to the bone and people were like, well, I either watch this because I like Joel McHale or I watch this because I like Chris Hardwick or one of these other people. But it's low-key writing. It's low-key, mm-hmm. like, here's our guest for no reason. And it just kind of fell apart really quick. So I think coming back and sci-fi saying, well, we can do one of those shows... Nobody wanted those shows before. Otherwise, they would still be on the air. Otherwise, yeah. G4 might still be on the air. So it, it was kind of a... And, and I don't want to take anything away from Will Wheaton, who I think put his all into the show. Yeah. But I just think that the show was always going to be what it was going to be. And, well, that, and, and, and that's not to say, like, oh, it was great. Like, yeah, it had its flaws. But still, it was a... In a way, a late-night alternative. It was an alternative to your, your daily shows and your nightly shows and, you know, your, uh, your you know, all the other uh, late night talk shows over on the networks. And it was one of these, like, here, you could watch this. Yeah, it's granted it's weekly. And we're getting these more with, you know, TBS has got the uh, Not Safe with Samantha, Samantha B. We're going to talk about another one with Joiner Die. Full Frontal. Uh, oh yeah, sorry. Uh, full frontal. Not safe is uh, the Nikki Glaser one over at Comedy Central. Um, but and then there was the other one. I can't think of um, what, what it was called. Um, it was like it was like uh, oh, what was the name of that show? Oh, it was on Sci-Fi. That it was oh, uh, Reactor or something like that, where it was like very much like that, but they actually had a set. Um. Yeah, I think I think Comedy Central. A lot of shows are like that on Comedy Central, but Comedy Central backs it by having somebody who's actually a comedian, mm-hmm. and and they develop their own voice and they bring it across. If, if you have a Jeselnik offensive, it, you're watching it because Anthony Jeselnik is funny. You're watching Amy Schumer's skit comedy because you like Amy Schumer. That that's something different. The the Will Wheaton show. You compare what that show was to what Will is like on his own things, like uh, the gaming show that he does on Geek and Sundry. That's the real Will, and that's a mm-hmm. fun Will to watch, and that's a great show. The interactions are all really good because it's honest. It's not some half-assed producer in the background saying, oh, this is what the kids like, and this is what we think is funny, and giving you a shitstorm of half-assed comedy. It That's not really... Nobody wants that. That's why people yeah. are looking online for, for better content because the content that's produced for these stations is often shit, and it shows. So if you if you don't put any effort into it, then you're going to get as little return on that as possible. The The Kevin Smith-Groomberg show, I don't know what it's going to be like. You know, If they follow the, the production level of something like they've done with Talking Dead, which is hilarious that Talking Dead is a show that is about it's a podcast about another show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, hey, everybody who watches The Walking Dead, you probably want to go out and start your own podcast about this, and a lot of people have. But instead, we're going to give you a guy from podcasts on a highly produced show right after this to do all the shit that you would be waiting to download throughout the next week. Yeah. And, and, and that's that's perfectly okay. They, they got a, a guy who's good on TV anyways to do 
a podcast that he probably would have done anyways, except they gave him access to all of the actors and the the producers and the makeup people and specialty scenes and phone calls in and stuff like that. And they they did a high-end podcast about their show, which is just a hour-long advertisement for The Walking Dead directly after The Walking Dead. That's perfectly okay because... The Walking Dead is a big phenomenon. It is something that has a lot of viewers. And Hardwick is a great host. And all the people that he has on there are a lot of fun. You know, there's occasionally some ass at. Uh, but for the most part, it's it's a really good time. And it works. It makes sense in that context. Except for when they move it an hour later because they want to put into the Badlands or something afterwards. Um, Otherwise, I don't know. I, I think the full frontal show with Samantha B is a good show because they're they're letting her be her, uh, and she's a lot ballsier than what's going on on the nightly show or the daily show at this point, which is <laughs> funny because yeah, she's she's not even got that anatomy, but no, she's it's at. funny because that's what they use for the promo. Yeah, well, I don't know, but no, I I cause, no, I know this because you talked about about, about full frontal two weeks ago. Yes. And so to do the collage thing, I looked, I had to search, and a lot of the promo is her in her, in a skirt and all the stuff like she normally wears, with ginormous testicles. Oh, that's great. Um, and, and John Oliver doing the HBO series is, is working better. I, you can't and, just insert somebody who's not got the... The vibe, you know, mm-hmm. the the person has got to have the personality that people are going to want to listen to. And I don't think it's just because they were on The Daily Show that people are automatically drawn to them. I think it's because they were so good that they wound up on The Daily Show. Uh, it, it's the reverse. And now it's like, well, we've, we've got our audience now, so we're going to go do our own thing. And the people on The Daily Show and The Nightly Show don't really have the capabilities of pulling that off to the same degree, so I think that that's why they're falling by the wayside. Yeah. Kevin Smith is a lot of fun. Kevin Smith's podcasts are fun. Kevin Smith as a guy is a lot of fun, but he has become sort of the smile and nodding, geeked out fanboy person to such a heavy degree. Uh, if you watch the DC special, where he's just sitting there and he's practically blowing Jeff Johns, talking about Man of Steel and shit, and it's like, alright, we get it, you're a fanboy, um, but you also seem sometimes like a fanboy sold to the highest bidder or the only bidder. If someone's actually willing to pay you money to show up, you will sit there and, and gargle them for a few minutes. Uh, it's it's okay. <laughs> so I would rather see him have a show where he's the lead uh, and him and Gruberg, and I like Gruberg too, so that he can maybe seriously talk some shit as opposed to just kind of kiss people's asses a little bit too much. Uh, th- I think he's a lot more fun in his podcast, although he, he sidetracks into the same stories over and over again. Uh, that's that's a glass house that I'm throwing a rock directly at. Uh, but we'll we'll just wait and see. At least yeah. it's someone who's got a good connection to the network already, mm-hmm. and it and, makes sense. Well, and, and my whole point that I was making with this is you look at the other shows, and where, yeah, they were good shows, even for being on sci-fi, which is not known for having great shows out there, or, you know, G4, or wherever, and a lot of these shows only lasted a week, or, or not a week, a, a one season. Yeah. They didn't have, I think Talk Soup had had three seasons, I think Sports Soup had 
maybe three or four. Um, you look at uh, important things with Dimitri Martin, which is another one that I'm going to throw in here because you threw in the Comedy Central thing, where it had two, I think it had three seasons, but even then it's like you have all these, where it's all really great stuff, but it just, you don't get the viewers. So that's where I'm. That's what I'm wondering is when you have these big named in the geek culture, big name talents, is this gonna work? Because we had that with Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton is a big name in geek. I mean, he's Wesley freaking Crusher, for crying out loud. So well, he, no, let let's let's get around that. He's Will Wheaton. The 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 biggest. Thing that people still give him shit about is being Wesley Crusher, which is ridiculous because Wesley Crusher was a character that, yeah, you can sit there and piss on him about the sweater and shit now years later, or you can say that he was annoying. Maybe he was. He was a kid in the midst of a, a, what was an action sci-fi show mm-hmm. uh, when we didn't have a lot of action sci-fi shows to begin with. So whatever. But he, he's done great things all along, and the reason why he's got relevance today has nothing to do with Wesley Crusher. It has to do with him being Will fucking Wheaton. No, yeah. Being an amazing dude, an amazing geek who celebrates, you know, all of his nerdiness, everything. The same thing that Hardwick has, which makes sense because they're friends, is, is that, yeah, some people will sit and nitpick and say, well, you know, they're, they're fake geeks or whatever, which is not true. Um or I'm sick of them because they're so overplayed and all that. I can get that. That's fine. You're probably wrong. But Will Wheaton is Will Wheaton, mm-hmm. and that's why he's cool. Just like Felicia Day is cool because she's Felicia Day, and and Hardwick is cool because he's Hardwick. Those people are cool people, and that's why they have their audience. It's it's when they're authentic, when it's them as themselves, or when it's them in control, uh, they really win things and and I think that that's what makes sense but if you take Felicia Day and you try to put her into a mainstream show as a mainstream character uh, or you will we'll go back to um, what was the Happy Fun Night or whatever that Rebel Wilson was in Oh, uh, Super Fun Night Super Fun Night Rebel Wilson is hilarious as Rebel Wilson Every time they try to make her be somebody else, or they Americanize her to to try to fit her into this this particular type to make her more mainstream and stuff, it doesn't catch. And and I think that's that's exactly why is that people are like, oh, I love Rebel Wilson. I'm gonna watch her new show. Oh, this is some bullshit because she's not at all like her. Now, yeah, she's acting, she's playing a character, but you you caught that that lightning in a bottle by her being Rebel Wilson. So you've got to explore that. And maybe, yes, it becomes a little little derivative if she keeps playing Fat Amy and everything. But Fat Amy is what got her popular. And that's why that new movie that she's out in with uh, Dakota Johnson, she's playing that character again because that character is what works for her. Yeah. um, And works for her audience. Yeah, and I, I mean, I guess overall my hopes for this show is that it will be good and that it be good enough for AMC to go, hey, we were going to do a bowling show that made Chris <laughs> Hardwick quit doing it on his Nerdist YouTube channel. Why don't we do that again? Yeah, I I like 
his bowling show, but I don't know how that would work as a weekly thing. It, it would have to be more than that. It would have to be something else and have that be a part of it. Well, no, it was because I think with how they were going to do it was how they did the first season where you have, you know, Chris and his, his friends, you know, from, the, from Nerdist Industries bowling other nerd genre things or whatever. So, you know, they, they had the week where they were doing where they bowled against, um, they actually bowled against the, uh, some WWE superstars. They had a week where they bowled against uh, Matt, uh, Matt Smith, Karen Gillen, um, Rory's, uh, Arthur Darvel. I don't know why I had to go with his name. And then uh, uh, Stephen Moffat from Doc, from Doctor Who. And it's like the highest, like if if they beat Nerdist, or basically if they beat Chris, because usually everyone else on his team sucks, but it's also his dad is a bowler or was a bowler. Um, then they won so much money for their charity. Right, but I just don't, I don't know that that makes good TV. You know, it's a great 15-minute YouTube thing that, that plays out for at, like eight episodes at, a season, but I don't yeah. see how that's going to make a good TV show for AMC. Well, look, but look at like, like Team Ninja Warrior right now and Esquire. Like, that's essentially 15-minute things, but... Oh, they break it up because they have, like, they do these mini brackets in there where you get, you know, two teams running. The losers will face the winner from the other team or from the other other match, and then all this stuff and they go and they do, like, five. They have like five, like seventeen runs in one episode. So you do something similar where you have, you know, where Chris Hart, Chris and his people all, you know, spend like a week bowling or whatever, and they're got all these different celebrities coming in and each episode is, you know, two different teams. Yeah. But it's still bowling. I mean, I, I, I'm the guy who will watch bowling on TV. I am that dude, but I have to tell you, there is a big difference between watching people bowl versus watching people do feats of amazing ability in a Ninja warrior situation. And I don't think it's watching people bowl for a half hour every week is going to grab a regular mainstream audience. I think it could because of the fact I, that it's I not... just really, I think that AMC kind of dodged a bullet on that one. Well, no, I, I think they honestly, they could have, that it could because of the fact that it's not like, it's not ESPN where you're, you're watching professional bowlers here and you hear the, you have the commentators. He's coming up to the, to the line. He's, and he's going to try to hook right to hit the seven pin. No, it's them talking shit about, about each other and how you get a person who's like, oh, I've never bowled in my life, he, 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 and they're bowling almost, they're bowling like a 200. But that's a 15-minute show where that's fun. You've got to whittle down the whole game to that couple of minutes that's actually funny and, and entertaining. But a half-hour show, it, people... Two, you, you, people you bring in two. You do two well. as it is. And, and I just, I don't see what elevates that from YouTube show to TV show. There are things that work better online because the right audience can find it when they want to find it, and because it's it's a distraction more than it is a, a full bore, I am dedicating myself to watching this every week. You know, I don't see a need to DVR a, a bowling show. I will DVR other shows and everything, but I will, I will every once in a while go, oh, yeah, the... the Hardwick bowling thing. I should go check that out and see who he went up against this season. 
and then skip around in the episodes when it's people that I'm interested in versus people that I don't give a fuck about. That's that's what I think it is too. Is that it's only going to be interesting based on who the group of guests are, how well they can do that to get those guests at that point in time to be on the show. It it's always tough for these things to make that break out. I love um, Grace Helbig, yeah. the the Grace show and everything that went on to, but I can see why that show struggled in the ratings. I can see why that show didn't take off and and jump up because these YouTube stars, a lot of them, frankly, are perfect as YouTube stars. That doesn't mean that they suddenly become the next big TV and film stars. Some of them have that capability, absolutely, but a lot of them are just, they've found their place, and that's a good place to be in, especially when you're at the top of that place. You may not be banking Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie money, but you're doing okay for yourself. You're having fun. You have your audience. You get to have your living doing it. There's nothing wrong with that. But to say, okay, well, we see this person who does their makeup on TV every week. Well, we've got to give her her own talk show in the daytime now and put her up against the Ellens and the I don't know that that crazy bitch who eats her skin or whatever. I... Aaron watches some weird shit in the daytime. Um, I don't think that you naturally say that's where this person belongs. You know, sometimes that person has has found their audience, and their audience is better where they're at because they don't want to follow them to someplace else. Especially if their audience is online and already is used to not watching TV, because then you're asking them to change what they do to this other thing, and the people who watch TV are a completely different audience. Yeah, I don't know. We could continue talking about that, but um, I think we've spent enough time on what was supposed to be about that, but it ended up being about a whole bunch of other things. Um, so let's talk about one of the shows that I alluded to in the news thing, and that's it's a late night talk show ish, and that's Join or Die with Craig Ferguson. Um, and I'm pretty sure in the document I spelled his name wrong, but that's mainly because I didn't look it up. I'm just sitting there going, okay. This is only for us. Um, but Join or Die is an interesting take on a talk show for me. It's because, a roundtable show. It's a yeah. discussion show. Yeah, it's it's yeah it's it's a it's a it's a British panel show for a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, because it's not like yeah you are bringing in celebrities um, to talk about these things. Like the first episode had Chris Hardwick and uh, um, I forgot who sat next to him. Oh. Uh, Jordan Carlos, and they talk about these different things that are not what's... Oh, so this is what I'm promoting because it'd be a whole show for Chris Hardwick just to do his plugs for all everything else he's doing. No, um, it, it, what I liked about the Hardwick episode was that it was it was more like about science stuff, and Hardwick is a nerd, mm-hmm. and so you got to speak about things... In, in in relation to nerddom more than about entertainment dumb. Yeah. And and I it's it's okay to have, have both things that you're into. Absolutely. Um but it's cool to see him get to do that other thing more. Because he doesn't talk about a lot of the science stuff and the chess stuff and the things like that on his regular shows. 
that's not what they're about. They're about talking about other TV shows, or they're about you know doing jokes at midnight about people's feeds on Twitter and stuff. Um, this was this was the other side of Hardwick that you don't get to explore mm-hmm. as often. Uh, oh, the yeah. first episode was um, wasn't that the greatest political blunders? No, the uh, first episode, I believe, or at least it's how it was on the uh, on on demand the next day. First episode was Hardwick with the worst medical, um, I don't want to say advances, but the worst medical treatments. Um, which and, and it's it's a cool format because you have, you know, these uh, Craig Ferguson who does in the beginning does his uh, very very similar to his monologue that he did when he was the host of Late Night or of of the Late Late Show, and then he introduces the the guests and it's three guests. And they they whittle down each segment. They wiggle, they take out two of the six things that they're talking about. Like the first episode was the medical advances. Um, second episode was the uh, political like catastrophes or whatever, like personal political catastrophes. Because it was like a um oh the one senator who. Try, who tried to seduce, well, I don't know if seduce is the right word, but tried to have sex with an undercover cop. Um, uh, Dick Cheney shooting his lawyer friend in the face. And then his lawyer friend apologizes. I don't know how that happens. Um, yeah, I shouldn't have worn my duck costume then. Um, it was on me. My bad. It's nothing to do with Dick. I don't know. Um, oh, who is it? There was the one girl who or lady who... That she, I guess she at one time practiced witchcraft or something. Right. And no, she she was trying to say that she wasn't a witch, but the way she went about it, nobody was buying into it. Um yeah, the 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 episodes were reversed order for me. Um yeah. and according to IMDB, uh Harder was on the second one, the medical advice one. Yeah, it's I mean, cuz doing two episodes at once, there's usually one of two ways it happens. Typically, it's either they give the date with an A, then the date in B, or it's like this one where it's like season or season one, episode one. I'm like, all right, whatever, cool. Watch this one first. It doesn't matter because it's like there's not like any through line here. Yeah. No, but uh, it's it's an interesting show. The the it, it's about a process of elimination. It takes these six stories uh, about whatever the subject is. So one of them was the history's biggest political blunder. And the other one was history's worst medical advice. In worst medical advice, there was like uh, use leeches or get a lobotomy or this. Drink your urine. Drink your urine. And then they they take six of them, and by the first commercial of break, they eliminate two of them as being well. These two obviously aren't the worst compared to these other four. And then they go through and they eliminate another two, and then they finally get down to what is the worst advice. Or the worst blunder of whatever those things are. Okay, so I got a question for you. Because after they do, like once they get to the final two, they throw it to the audience. They say the audience is going to vote. Do they ever say what the audience picked? Because it seems like I missed that. No, they they definitely give you at the end, they give you what is the final winner uh, or well, loser. I, as the case I thought that be. was what they picked as not... But not the audience. Well, I don't know. Who gives a shit about the audience at that point? I'd rather hear the people who actually know what the fuck they're talking about as the people who are flipping buttons. Um, and that's me. I'm an asshole who has an opinion on the internet. Uh, so, so you're an internet user? 
Everybody is. Yeah. Um, I just I enjoyed the show again because it's not a, a typical late night show. Uh, Ferguson talks about it. He's like, I don't want to go back to that. You know, this is something that he is having fun with. He has join or die tattooed on himself. That's where the title of the show came from. Yeah. The whole thing of the section not snakes and stuff like that. That's something that meant something to him. So this show was developed because it's something that he likes to do as opposed to having to go back and interview celebrities every night. Not that he did a bad job of it. He did a great job of it. Um, but he was always really honest about what he wanted the show to be and what he was willing to put into it. So sometimes he would stand there and dance with his fake producer who went on to be the the girl in the recent series of Evil Dead. And he would go and talk to Jeff, a skeleton robot, um, and and throw things at a horse. And that was his show. That's that's what made him more endearing to people. But it maybe wasn't what people expected or wanted from a late night talk show. Some people have to find what's right for them. And I think that this is more of a thing where Craig's realizing what he wants to do with himself, what and, kind of show he wants to put together. And the cool thing is like, this is very much in similar vein to a History Channel show or you know, Adam Ruins Everything over at True TV where when they start talking about a fact, they throw up or, or when they start talking about you know, one of the things, they th- start throwing up uh, like a little factoid or a couple factoids about that thing. Like the... Uh, like uh, the mercury one, I think they talked about like some of the other uses, or uh, the lobotomy. They they clarified um, the uh, they clarified the uh, uh, the Kennedy girl that was a part of it. And Corey, explain that. That's something we're talking about. Journey Quest. Oh, sorry. Never mind. Never mind. We're all good. Um. But no, so yeah, the, the, Joiner Die is really cool. Um, so and check it out. It's on what Thursdays at 11 p.m. on History Channel, and then also the commercials that they were airing for the show that will be premiering this Thursday um, looks pretty cool too. Like it's it's it, it looks almost like drunk history, but they're acting out the parts that the drunk person's reciting. In, in, in a lot of ways, without truly being that. Um, and I cannot, th- for the life of me, think what the name of that show is. Um, so the next show I want to talk about, I want to give a quick little tribute, homage to, is QI. Because last week they had their final episode with Stephen Fry as the host. Um, and this is great, you know, great, it's cool, you know, he's decide he's going to step down on his own terms and not punch a producer um, and then just be like peace out bitches he, he went out respectfully like he does um, because you know he's Stephen fucking Fry um, and this was a great fun episode and yeah the, I honestly agree with Stephen on the whole Twitter thing too like I'm not, I'm not on there enough to act or have a lot of people although the one the one guy on grandfathered who's like in the kitchen he's one of the chefs followed me on twitter i'm like why how how did i deserve you following me there man cool 
Um, but yeah. Um, but no, so you got Stephen Fry, this is his last one, and I honestly expected, like, a little bit at the end, because he always gives a quote from someone, like, of him saying, explaining, hey, I'm leaving, you know, words out of his mouth, sort of deal, like, like or, you know, farewell, sort of deal. We didn't get that, which was also, I, I, I liked as well. We got him quoting Charlie Brown, um, which is cool, because he always, he he'll, like, one week he'll quote Charlie Brown, next week he'll, he'll quote some famous philosopher, you know, and then, and then the week after he'll, he'll quote Joey Essex, who's not the brightest bulb in the bunch at all, to be honest, if you ever look, hear about Joey Essex. Um, but you know, it, and it was always cool. And I forget the name of the lady who's uh, coming up and replacing him. Um, I will say she has some big shoes to fill, but I think it's all going to be in good hands. Um, and yeah, so check out QI. Um, I don't know if they, are they up, do they have newer seasons on Hulu or anything like that? Cause I know they had it for a while, but they, they quit doing it. And I know it was like, I think they were on series I and they, they just wrapped up series M and it, no idea, man. I QI is one of those things I can only catch through YouTube when a bunch of episodes pop up out there and. It's also one of those things that I only watch on occasion because of that, because it's not at the forefront of my my viewing ease to to get to. But yeah, Fry is a great great dude, and you know it is nice that he's being able to to step back from this at his own um, determination as opposed to anything else. But I, I I'm interested in whatever he's going to do next. I know that he's had some bouts with depression and stuff, and uh, I know that he's he's taking a step back from being on social media because uh, it's it's hard to be on there all the time. I feel that way too. I get weighed down, and I don't have the the kind of um, heat that he does. But sometimes it's just you got to step away from it to keep your yourself sane. And uh, I wish him all the best. But I hope that we get more of him in one way or another. Because yeah. he's someone who I've just constantly enjoyed from way back in the day, uh, before I knew anything about him, I saw in a movie called Peter's Friends, uh, and he was just spectacular in it. Uh, Kenneth Branagh was in there. Um, I can't remember much about the film other than that, but it was it was something that I really enjoyed and really touched me at the time, and I've always had a soft spot for the guy since then. And honestly, one of the things that I like that I've seen Steven do and I actually watched the, the event that he had for his last book, uh, more fool me, um, is, is the books like that? Like the, the more, the fool me, more fool me, you know, these books that he's, he's writing about his life and seeing that side with his, I don't want to call it a stand up special, but you know, his big premiere party that he had where he's, you know, he's up on stage and he's talking, he goes from talking about the organ that's in the, that's his backdrop because he's playing in the, um, uh, it's, it's like the, the, the Royal theater or whatever, because again, he's Stephen Fry and, you know, and he's got the audience back behind him too. And he even takes time out there to apologize for the horrible seats that they got because all they're seeing is his backside. Um, 
and he welcomes every almost every country that the event was televised in like simultaneously um with interesting stories like you and and then he he continues but with reading some of the um like he he read a couple passages from the book including the story of how he met um how he met the prince of wales uh, or yeah prince charles and they and him and princess diana came over to his house with when he had rowan atkinson and hugh laurie and you know a couple of other of his uh famous uh british celebrities and this whole story and then even including um at getting Hugh to write another a little footnote on what he remembers um from the event and all Hugh said was I wasn't the one vacuuming it was Rowan or whatever you know something funny like that um that's stuff I love to hear more than like yeah because we know he's smart you know he's he, he's an, an an intellectual person but to see his life and to see you know him talking about um how he first fell in love with books and uh, I think it was Sal- uh, JD Salinger that he first started reading um, and all this. And it's great. It, I love, I love hearing that, that stuff. Um, and it's yeah. And he was the host of gadget man on channel four for the first two seasons. And then it was picked up by Richard Iowati. Um, that's something that I would still like to see, you know, him come in and show off some technology every once in a while, you know, like I love Richard Iowati, but here, Hey, come on, get Stephen Fry in there too. Cause his time's a little bit more freed up now. I'm sorry. I had to take a quick drink. Um, so next, um, I want to talk about the show love. This is, I've seen the first three episodes on Netflix this is the new Judd Apatow um, produced show. He, he wrote a, a lot of the episodes with the um, one of the stars, Paul Rust, um, and it stars Gillian Jacobs and Paul Rust. And this, to me, seems very similar to Girls, but yet different. Um and it's similar in like it has this like it's very raw at times um and you have a shaven Kyle Kinane in here which I'm like okay you sound like the voice of Comedy Central you sound like Kyle Kinane but every time I see you on At Midnight you have a beard bigger than me and Corey's how what is going on with your face right now sort of deal um, basically on all saying the dude needs to keep his beard because that's how he's more known. He looks way different without a beard. Um, and Gillian Jacobs playing a person who's part Britta. Like there are moments where you're like, okay, this is Britta from community, but she's just being more filthy. You know, she's able to say, to say swear words and other, and other words like that. But, um, but you, I'm, but no, it's a really cool story. The first couple episodes, because they advertise with, you know, Gillian Jacobs and 
Paul Rust together, you know, and all this stuff. Well, I, I don't even know necessarily like together like boyfriend girlfriend, but like you know where they're friends and all this stuff. That doesn't really happen until the second episode, and like where they start hanging out, and then the third episode when I, I would actually consider them to be friends, which is an interesting thing because you go, you have the first episode, the pilot where you're going between their two stories and then you fight, you figure out how they collide, how they meet. Um, and it's, it's, it's an interesting story. You have, like, like I mentioned, you have Kyle Kinane in there. He, he plays Britta's, or sorry, not Britta's, Gillian Jacobs, um, ex girlfriend or ex boyfriend who is a cokehead. And then you have the girl from the AT&T commercials who plays Paul Rust's ex girlfriend who just sort of seems like she wants to break up with him because he's too agreeable or something. He's too much of like a, like a pushover, a little pussycat sort of character. Um, so she tells him that he she cheated on him and she, she slept with another guy. And all because he says, I love you too much. Is basically why she said that. I'm like, all right, girl, I hate to tell you this, but you're a little fucked up. If that's like, oh, he says, too, I love you too much. Come on. Sir deal. See, that's it's already sounding like a show that I'm probably not going to enjoy. Because it's, it's got the shallowness of of all the characters that Girls has, and that's that's was my in incomplete and utter turnoff of girls mm-hmm. was the, the first episode and just seeing all these people who I had no way of identifying with or, or caring about and then being expected to follow their adventures in their lives of growing up, then it doesn't matter to me that they're getting better. It's, I, if I hate you from the very beginning, I don't want to come on that journey with you. But here's the thing. The characters you hate, or at least that you, for me, that you hate, are the people around them. Like, you like Gillian Jacobs... I, I like the actress. Well, no, but you, you for, at least for me, like I, I liked her character. I liked Paul Rust's character. It's just like, okay, he's a push, he's a pushover. Um, excuse me, she's a. I don't, I can't even think of how to describe Gillian Jacobs' character now. Um, she's, she's, like, she's nice and cool and all these other things. It's just everyone around them is dicks, and she'll be a dick when she needs to be, but not. She's not like full on. All right, I hate the world. Let's go fight, sort of deal. Um, I I don't know. You might like it. You might find the characters are just shallow and and only watch the pilot and be like, okay, I'm done. I don't want to watch anymore. I think there's something there, and but again, I'm only on. I think I'm only on three episodes, three or four episodes, and. And they're like forty-five to, minutes to an hour long, so. Yeah, as I understood it, that it it decided that it was going to play around with how long the episodes could be, and I, I've seen a couple criticisms saying that it it's made for Netflix and the idea that you have to watch a bunch of episodes to get to a point where it becomes enjoyable or bearable or where you care about the characters. But, it, you know, and I, I, I ran into that with Sense8. Like, I tell people that with Sense8. Sense8, the first three episodes, 
by the time you get through the third episode, you, you've got an idea as to what the story is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly, when I was watching Sensei, I felt like that too. But I had the ability and the time that day to watch like the first five. And then yeah. by the time the fifth one was over, I was so just pulled into the show that uh, there was no way I was not going to watch the rest of it. And that may be the case here. But it's it seems to me that it's really... It's kind of like releasing a video game and having it need a whole bunch of patches and uh, extra content and downloadable content and stuff later on to get the game to actually be enjoyable. Uh, otherwise, you're left with a shit show that the last Batman game was on PC. It's I was like, waiting for it. Hey, you just spend 50 bucks on this thing, and uh, it doesn't fucking work at all, and you're going to cry tears of blood and start whipping your feces at the screen. But it's okay, because eventually we might get to the point where it's a playable game that you enjoy. But right now, you're fucked, dude. You're totally fucked. And I feel like that's getting to be the case of TV, is that they, they're having us beta shows until the point of where it gets to be good. And I don't know that that's good for us. That may be the downfall of the Netflix uh, and the Amazon streaming world that we're going into now, is when when you write a story... Commonly, what they'll tell you when you're writing a book or a story is that you don't start at the beginning with a bunch of preamble. You don't do a prologue or any of that stuff because it's dull or it's too much to download. You start with something already happening um, as opposed to telling people the world around things and stuff, then finally getting what's happening in Chapter 2 or 3. And I'm kind of worried that television this new age of TV is that's where it's going. It's like you don't have to hook them in the first episode. And we know that pilots are usually kind of a, a hit or miss thing anyways. Is you get a pilot done and you're like, okay, well, that's that's the test pancake. That's the first pancake you make that you know is going to be shitty. By the next one, you'll have a down pat. So the pilot is like that. It's just like, okay, we, we got that, and it's not great, and you throw it in the dog dish. But the next episode is where you really know if you want to keep eating this batch or not. In this case, it seems like you've got a whole stack of that pilot uh, to get through before you finally get to something that's edible. And I'm, Did you I'm, just compare the executives and all the people who decide which TV shows are going to be made, like the dog dish you give the scraps of food to? Yes, because I'm an asshole. <laughs> and it all I comes mean, let, circle. Let's though. keep in mind, I could... I could I could totally justify everything that I think and say if I actually wrote shit and put it out there, but I don't. So I'm just a fucking critic, which is practically the worst fucking kind of person in the world to be. That said, let's be honest, we're here, we're talking about our opinions, and my opinion is maybe maybe you you think a little bit more through of are people willing to just sit through your show on a promise if you don't deliver until the second half, that's always worrisome, yeah. you know. And and in this day and age where we have so many choices as well, it's like, well, I'm not gonna watch Love just because it's there, because I have a lot of other things I can watch instead. So I yeah, have to hear season one and two. Yeah, I have I have to hear. Oh, this show is great. You need to watch the first episode, and I watch the first episode and it's actually great, then I continue on. If I watch the first episode and it's okay, I may say, okay, I'll give it another shot for the next episode, 
but really fucking blow my mind now. Uh, if I watch the first episode and it's boring or it pisses me off or there's just nobody that I can connect to at all, then I don't have any reason to watch a second episode. It's not like the old days where it's like, it's Thursday night, it's 8 o'clock, you've got three channels to choose from, that's it, pick a dick and start sucking. Uh, no, this is not that world anymore. We've got to... You know, you're not the only one at the bar I can go home with now. Um, we've got we've to gotta expect better from these shows. And a guy like uh, Apatow has enough of these things under his belt he should know that too, you know. So I, I appreciate someone's making art. I appreciate that someone's telling a story as they want to tell it, and that's all fine. But I'm probably not your audience. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna I'm gonna save Better Call Saul for next week, um, because where I am enjoying it, I do feel like if I get the first two episodes in, I might be able to explain a little bit more, um, about it. I do. I will say I love, I love what they did, with instead of airing, um, the an encore of the of the Walking Dead after Talking Dead, and then before Comic Book Man, I love how they did did the they aired, uh, Better Call Saul, and in the commercials they threw in clips from Talking Dead or from Talking Saul, and like with some of the stuff like. It was usually before you came back to the show, and so like they had one part was them talking about um, about the guy about the character who just kicked uh, uh, Mike to the curb, sort of deal, and how and and all this stuff, and that to me was good because it helps you expand on the on it, especially with people who watched Breaking Bad. And you're like, oh yeah. So was that meant to be a nod to your to uh, Breaking Bad? You're like, oh yeah, yeah. And it, you know, and it was just cool. Um, it's like a DVD commentary during the the commercial breaks of the show. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so that, that's gonna wrap it up for here for us. Evan came in at a great time. Um, we record. What else is that? Or, we record Else Nerds every Monday night-ish at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Uh, West, uh, 2.30 a.m. Uh, UTC, so you could find out from the rest of the world that way. Um, and you can find more about us, or actually, actually more about our friends, by going over to gncast.com, um, where you could find such great shows like... Weird World Weekly, Alien Invasion, Sci-Fi Geeks Club, which just had some wrestling podcast guys on there, and I'm like, oh, man, and I'm not on this one. I could have went and talked about that and all that. But anyways, um, Podcast of Terror. I knew I, I wasn't forgetting Podcast of Terror, but I forgot where I left off. Um, which I think is hard to remember it, shows you don't listen to, Gregor. That's hey, all I'm gonna say hey, about that. I listen to it when I. When Stitcher fucking works, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Tried to catch up on like three weeks of, like two or three weeks of podcasts on there now. It's really difficult. Um, and then there's uh, Who News and Reviews. I'm um, exploring the X Files. Um, oh, what's Daryl's new one? Um, 
the sci-fi survival guide? I believe that is it. Yes. Yeah. And then a future podcast by J.F. Dubow and us eventually sometime in the future um, joining them as well. And again, you can find all that at gncast.com, including ways to help help them keep the lights on by supporting them on Patreon. And so for me and Corey, we'll see you guys next time. Take care, everybody.